Welcome to the Confidence Mastery Podcast. Today we have the incredible Shana Francesca joining us. She is an incredible lady who has overcome a lot in her life to be a very successful um, interior designer, but also um, a life design. She works with people to create their best lives and to fully be present in the moment. And in this episode, she talks about how she's overcome her own trauma in order to help people um, overcome theirs. So make sure that you um, listen to the end where she shares that and also some interesting stuff about book writing, public speaking, and so much more. I know you are going to love this episode. So settle in and enjoy and make sure you download, subscribe and share this with um, other people that you think will gain um, knowledge and learning from it too. So thank you very much for listening and enjoy the episode. So it is the Confidence Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Natalie Bailey. And today we have the amazing Shana Francesca um, joining us today. Welcome. I'm very, very excited to be here with you. Thank you for joining us. Would you like to just give people a little insight into who you are and what you do? Because I'm very, very excited for you to share your story and your knowledge with us today. What I do is life design, right? And what does that mean? Um, Whenever we think, whenever we talk about what design is, Um, It is a function of intention, right? And so the minute we um, establish an intention and then we apply that intention to our action, we're designing something. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I started out my career as an interior designer, but I approached it very much from this place of how do we create authentic spaces? How do we create spaces that support us rather than us supporting them? How do we create our home as a beautiful reflection of our beliefs about ourselves of uh, like a vision board for our life. How do we use our home and our physical surroundings, um, whether it be at our home or in our offices, so on and so forth. How do we um, set those up like the stage from which we tell the story of our life, not in a performative way, but in the way that um, when you attend a play or you're watching a movie, there's a set there that's setting the mood. It's setting the culture. It's setting an environment, a vibe. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's all part of bringing us into the moment. Right. So if we can, we can create our environment so that we can be more present in our own life. Right. Yeah. I love and that. Then I, yeah. And then I started recognizing that that part, right. The, the, the part about um, creating that authenticity in our life actually um, was deeply and profoundly powerful for people. And I could only work with so many people as an interior designer, but I could work with a hell of a lot more having this conversation in broader context. And so now I focus on, and so I took it from being interior design to this, let's apply it to our lives because that's really what I was doing. I was starting with people's lives and then crafting an interior that reflected that, Mm -hmm. right? And so now I'm just like, yes, interior design is still something I consult with people on, but it's really about designing people's lives and having those high level conversations and then helping them to understand how that they can then design their entire lives, including their home. Right. Um, because that's still deeply important. We spend two thirds of our life inside of our home. Right. So we still need to have that that part of the conversation, mm-hmm. but it's not the, um, the umbrella is now life design rather mm-hmm. than interior. Um, and so I focus on I'm a, a public speaking, facilitating workshops. Um, I do uh, virtual workshops through my website. Um, and then, you know, I spend a lot of time on podcasts like yours. 
<laughs> Amazing. Um, podcasts are great, aren't they? they? They allow us to have so many interesting conversations with people like all over the world. Yeah. And it's just an amazing platform, isn't it? It is. It really, truly is. I'm very thankful for it. I remember like, excuse me, about a year and a half ago, I was like, you know, I really should be on people's podcasts. But I had absolutely no idea how to do that. Like, how do I get on like one podcast, let alone a lot? And then you and I connected with Podmatch. So I highly recommend it to people. Like if you have something powerful to talk about, yeah. you know, definitely check out Podmatch. It's a beautiful way to be able to like get that. It know, really is. Um, conversations and connect with amazing people around the world. Yeah. I was actually even telling my, um, the lady who does my, um, teaches me and helps me with my PR about it today because she she's great at the work she does for us but doesn't promote herself enough. Mm, <laughs> isn't that the way? <laughs> isn't that the way? Exactly. <laughs> so she she's going to join Podmatch now as well and and start getting getting herself out there more. I mean, she does push herself to the press, but obviously not as much as she should. Um, yeah, because she's, she's great about pushing her clients, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, it's like, I mean, me as an interior designer, people always like, you know, because that's my background. People say, like, your house must be stunning. And I'm like, it's nice, but like my clients' homes are nicer because I don't have the energy to deal with my home. I mean, my home is nice, but it's not like, yeah. you know, I, I get home and I'm like, I'll deal with that later. <laughs> <laughs> Like I'm still human at the end of the day. You still need downtime. It's it's exactly. always like that. I remember when I was um when I first got into personal training and I like completely changed everything that I was doing. And then yeah. I'd still go to the pub with my friends and yeah. they'd start asking me for fitness advice while we're all stood there drinking beer. I just, Why don't we talk about it? I no, you have to pay for my time. My my friends know better. Like I've set that boundary. We're not talking shop outside of school. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. And so what what was the the I suppose the big change for you that took it from interior design to life design? What was there like a pivotal moment that made that that's a great question. I think for a really long time I had been struggling with imposter syndrome. I had been struggling with giving myself permission to know that I didn't have to just be an interior designer right because I've been having I've been doing lots of research I've read a ton of books it's you know studying psychology studying all of these things you know as I was working with clients because it's really necessary there's a very deeply therapeutic aspect to being an interior designer um you're in people's homes you're in people's lives you're in people's businesses you're elbow deep in what is really meaningful and important to them and there's a lot wrapped up in that right when you start tearing that apart to rebuild yeah. it there's a lot of stuff that comes up for people. And so I used to joke around that like 70% of my job was therapist and like 30% was actually being an interior designer, but that wasn't inaccurate. It was deeply accurate. Um, and then, you know, my clients are like in the past have been judges, lawyers, you know, heads of um, whole medical and like head of neuroanesthesiology at what the top medical institution at one of the top medical institutions in the world right so these are very accomplished people and they're they're like one of them like he looked at me and he says oh i tell everybody you're my interior designer and my life coach and it was at that moment that i realized that i had been playing small right that i had been relegating myself to my degree and mm -hmm. acting like i needed to only be that 
Um, and so the minute that he said that, it was like he gave me permission, although he couldn't, right? I had to give myself permission. Yeah. Uh, but it was like he gave me permission to be bigger and to stop playing small. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, so I did. And, you know, I started getting invited to, and before then even, I had been invited to speak at events and so on and so forth. But it was like all of a sudden I stepped into, no, this is what I want to do. Right. And at that moment, um, and I had rebranded my business a little bit before that. So I was preparing myself this whole time to make that step. Yeah. I still have given myself permission. And when he said that, it was like, okay, enough. We're going to, we're going to just go for it. And we're going to have this conversation. And I'm really glad that I did because I can't tell you how many times people have listened to a podcast and have emailed me or mm-hmm. reached out, um, or the podcast host has reached out and said, the conversation you had on this podcast changed my life. Not like a moment, not my thought process, but like it changed my life. And I was like, okay, who am I not? Like, like Marianne Williams, who am I not to own my power? Who am I not to have these conversations? Who am I not to share the wisdom that I have gathered over the 38 years of my life? Who am I not to own that and to share that with people? Because to not do it is, is more arrogant. It's doing people a disservice as well. When you have such a powerful thing to share and to help people with, like you are literally doing people a disservice by holding that to yourself. Yeah. And so I was like, that was I mean, and I was always the person that people came to in their life when, when crap hit the fan and, and like their life was falling apart and they're like, I need an outside perspective. I need someone to give me advice. I was always that person, even for my own parents. That's a whole nother conversation because there was like parentification there. Like I was my parents' parent, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> but I was the person I've always been the person who people came to for wisdom. And so it was just a matter of me like owning that and accepting that that's a part of who I am. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then just giving myself permission to, to not just step into it, but step into it powerfully. I think the giving yourself permission is such a powerful thing and obviously this podcast is called Confidence Mastery and a lot of people don't feel that they have the the confidence to give themselves the permission like you obviously had somebody kind of give you a bit of a push that made your brain go oh hold on a minute like I I can do this what would you recommend to people to to let themselves give themselves permission to be bigger think bigger if you need permission then hear me now right i'm giving you permission right like just use this moment this moment to know that you have permission and if you've done the work you've educated yourself you know the things you are curious you're open to learning more you are you are big you are bigger than you know yourself to be right and we're not meant to take space away from other people Mm -hmm. we're meant to occupy the space that's authentically meant for us. We're not meant to um, take on other people's expectations. We're not meant to live our life uh, based on what other people, how other people want us to show up. It's our life. And at the end of it, we're not going to look back and say, you know what? I really wish I had listened to what other people wanted me to do. Mm. Right. Whenever I'm thinking about things, I'm always like at the end of my life, am I going to say, man, I wish I had done more of this thing. Right. And if the answer is no, then I limit how much or yeah. eliminate it completely out of my life. Right. And yeah, if that. the answer is yes, I wish I had done more of this thing, then I'm going to go do more of that thing. Right. So if you need permission, this is your permission. Go be bigger. I love that. Amazing. Because I always say as well, like life's too short to be miserable. 
and yeah. you don't want to get to the end of your life and think oh, i wish i'd done this i wish i'd done that so that's a very very similar concept and actually well pretty much the same but actually asking yourself that question yeah. um because it's like um if you've got a goal and then you're not unsure of, of which action to take so say there's two so the, the easiest example to give would be like on a weight loss journey like yeah. is eating this slice of cake is this going to help me achieve my goal if the answer is yes then do it if the answer is no then don't do it yeah so yeah and i think it also can be more nuanced than that right because we don't want to be hyper restrictive right mm. so it's not like you never get to eat cake, right yeah because a piece of cake might delight it might connect you to a moment it might be in celebration of something yeah it's just a matter of understanding like am i going to eat like three pieces of cake a day or am I going to eat a piece of cake every single day right yeah. is that going to contribute to my overall happiness am yeah. I being present when I'm eating that piece of cake right yeah. am I actually feeling it am I actually tasting it or am I just eating it really quickly to eat it am I binging mm -hmm. rather than than being present right and so I think that's also adding a little bit of nuance into that is like you can have the piece of cake but maybe it's not every day Mm -hmm. <laughs> maybe it's once a week right or you know it's just a matter of like making sure that we're eating a balanced meal like 90 percent of the time so that 10 percent of the time you can allow the other bits yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly and you're not restricting your yeah because complete deprivation can then cause those binges and binges. cause other things to happen exactly. um, but like if if you are a bodybuilder for example and you've got a set set date then the answer to that would definitely be no <laughs> はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。は
do your 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 daily exercise, but don't add on to punish yourself, right? Like let's not use exercise to counterbalance. Yeah. Right. Instead of making it something as part of our mental health practice. You know, go for a walk, maybe go for a jog. Do like I I just bought a, a fitness trampoline for inside the house so that like in between things I can just go and jump yeah. for five minutes and then you know go back to whatever I was doing and and uh, like jumping on a trampoline I can't not smile so it also like another thing that I love doing is like skipping skipping is great exercise I look yeah. like a giant bird out doing it and I'm completely fine with that because I'm six foot one so like skipping down the sidewalk people are like what the hell is going on and I'm like don't <laughs> me about it I'm skipping like <laughs> I love don't that worry. there's no, no fear of judgment there <laughs> don't worry what I'm doing just go on with your life it's gonna be <laughs> amazing so you you talk about joy a lot and and happiness how how do you remain in that state I I like to caution people against this concept of like toxic positivity. Whenever I hear people like say things like it's really popular here in America to say good vibes only. Mm. I know that's a thing um, where you are. Um, And I think it's just so toxic because we are human beings and we are meant to feel a full range of emotions. Yeah. Right. And we're meant to move through them, not deny them. Right. When deny them when we pretend they don't exist when we try to force ourselves to always be happy that's not happiness right for me joy is not an emotion it is an embracing of being present mm-hmm. that's a very like i it was a very buddhist concept for me of of the way they talk about joy is just being present and not wishing the present to be anything other than it is. That doesn't mean we don't take steps to move forward in our life. It doesn't mean we don't take steps to make changes in our life, but we accept the present for what it is, right? And don't try to make it anything else. The minute we try to set expectations for the moment and we try to fit it into the mold of something, we no longer can be satisfied with whatever happens because it'll never be exactly what we wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. So there's a massive amount of dissatisfaction. So for me, it has been just embracing what the present is, because until I embrace what the present is, I can't actually successfully change it either. Mm-hmm. If I'm living in denial, if I'm trying to force it to be something else, I can't actually change it. So for me, so much joy has come from being present, spending time meditating every morning, um, you know, going for long walks when the weather's not like windy and 30 degrees outside. <laughs> <laughs> 30 degrees Fahrenheit, not Celsius. Um, and so, you know, it's just a matter of like being present and, and owning how I feel and letting myself feel how I feel and moving through it. That, yeah. That's what's really anchors me and grounds me in joy. Yeah, I get that. I, yeah, you cannot, it is impossible to be positive all the time. And, yeah. and also if you are happy constantly, where's the high? Right. Because that then becomes your middle. So you're just still just in the middle. Right. So, uh, you know, you have to have the downs in order to really appreciate the ups as well. Because those those down moments, they teach us so much, don't they? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is learn so much from those downs. It's just like you said, you know, it's it stretches us, it challenges the way that we look at the world and we look at ourselves capable of for me pain is just a signifier of change right and change is a challenge of 
um, and fear is a challenge of what we knew ourselves capable of or capable of understanding previously, right? Mm. So whenever fear comes up for me, there's like two questions that um, that pop up for me depending on the moment, right? And one is like, what is it that I need to know more about in this moment so that I can move through this fear and mm. I can and it can become wisdom and knowledge and understanding rather than remaining fear in my life, right? Or what self-limiting belief is keeping me back, right? And, you know, a practice for me has been recognizing what that fear is about. Is it fear because I feel unsafe or is it fear because I'm pushing beyond what I knew I was capable of, right? Mm -hmm. And if it's pushing beyond what I knew I was capable of, what kind of support do I need to more move towards that thing anyway, even yeah. though I'm, right? Especially because I'm afraid. Fate, look, you know, it's facing those fears and getting out of your comfort zone. That's where... Yeah you know yeah. the magic or if you know for even for want of a better word although i do believe yeah. in magic i think to some level there is some magic in the world yeah yeah, yeah I, I think there's such right energy we don't know where it came from we don't know how it got to us we don't know you know it's just this unexplained moment of energy is mm. really all that it is and like all of that, these feelings we have, and it's, I used to think, oh, like the spiritual world was an absolute load of nonsense. Like, some of it is. <laughs> <laughs> like all of this woo-woo stuff. And I'm like, well, what? No way. Like, no yeah. way. But then I started to realise that the more I'm like outside, the more I'm in nature, like put my feet in the sea, going for walks on the beach, I started to feel better in myself. Yeah. And then I was just sort of not sort of i just realized that there is something to this magic air quotes and because it's that connection with with the earth of the place yeah. we live in the place we're born from yeah. yeah and nature is deeply healing i mean i just the more i learn about nature the more that i learn about different aspects of our world the more that i am deeply convinced that it is a delicate ecosystem and we are all connected to one another every living thing everything on this planet is deeply connected and the more we can understand that connection the more that we can honor instead of overusing exploiting or killing the world around us and yeah. it's unconscious we're not aware of how much we're killing the world around us for instance in every handful of soil there's millions and billions of microorganisms when we treat that soil with pesticides we kill all of those organisms the problem with that is those organisms are where we get nutrients in our soil so when we grow food in soil that has been treated with pesticides that's why they have to go in and then treat it with um uh what's it called <laughs> Of course, just my head. Um, uh, fertilizer that they yeah. have to fertilize the soil, right? Because they have to put nutrient artificially back in it, but back the soil is still dead, mm -hmm. right? So those nutrients are just sitting around the soil. It doesn't reinvigorate those microorganisms, right? And so, the like in America, we're, we see, you know, our food is whenever people travel outside of the United States, they always like lose weight, feel healthier, feel better. In the United States, we have we are so reliant on monocropping, and we specifically pull in crops that are um that grow the same right so they're not necessarily grown for nutrition or mm -hmm. taste or any of those things they're just grown so that we're getting the same product as often as possible mm -hmm. right and 
And the thing with that is it's not nutritious. Right, it's not. <laughs> food is how we nourish and heal our body. Food, sleep, breathing, right? These are like necessary things for us. Um, and our physical health is very much tied to our mental health. And our mental health is very much tied to our physical health, right? <laughs> like they're, they're yeah, completely It's just connected. a connect. It's, one, it's all in one, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. It's all in one, right? And um, And so it's a matter of like, when we can understand those basic things, we can say, oh, okay. All right, now let's talk about how we can grow healthier food. Let's talk mm -hmm. about our food doesn't all have to look the same. Let's change our mindset and our expectations about what our food looks like. You know, these sort of things and have these deep conversations about how we can actually do better um, and take care of them. Yeah, I am seeing a lot more people growing their own food in the UK. In the US too. Lots yeah. of people are growing their own gardens in an effort and they're using heritage seeds, um, ones that have, you know, come from the same plants and not been messed with for, mm -hmm. you know, hundred years. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, it's very, um, and not everybody has the time or the ability to do that. Right. Well, <laughs> and there's, a, there's a huge learning curve with that, but I think what's beautiful about it is the more people are doing that, the more they're sharing that knowledge, the more that we're all learning from each other, the more that we're understanding yeah. what our food, the more that we can start to put pressure on people who grow our food to do it in a healthier way. Do it in a healthier way, yeah. Because yeah. there's, um, I live in Mallorca, one of the Spanish islands, and um, they have seedless lemons. <laughs> so they're purposely growing, and I'm just like, how? How have they done this research and made this so that there are no, and then how do you then grow more lemons? Right. <laughs> so I know, how do you grow more lemons? <laughs> Are they all growing from like the same original seeds and like, I, I, yeah, I mean, they've done that here. They like seedless watermelons and seedless whatever. And I'm like, what's, we can filter out seeds. It's not that far. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Squeeze your lemon through your fingers. It's not it's that Exactly. Far. <laughs> and I've been doing that. And I'm like, hold on, there's no, there's no seeds in this. <laughs> I don't know. And I'm starting to wonder, should I be, should I be having this lemon juice? Like what is, is there actually something wrong or something extra in this lemon? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Little I don't... Bit of a rabbit hole. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that there's anything wrong with it. that you're doing like crazy damage to your body. It's just strange. Right. And I think that's the thing is like, we keep trying to make our world more, more convenient, but what's the cost? Yeah. Right. Right. Like, our seeds and our lemons so profoundly like interruptive that we need to like remove them, right? The, like these are the questions we need to be asking, like what's the trade-off? Because mm. no matter what you do, there's a trade-off, right? No matter what you're consuming, there's a consequence for that, right? And I think we just need to get back to the place where we don't say, oh, this is the best way, this is the only way. And I think it's about diversity, Right. Mm -hmm. In every situation, it's about it's about diversity. It's about what we're it's about how much we're consuming. And it's about like the number of people on this planet at the end of the day. There's like too many people. <laughs> um, uh, and so I think we're just trying to make things more and more convenient to feed more and more people. Um, convenience so like, isn't convenience isn't always better. Like I cook, no, I, I cook from scratch. I, I buy food you know, which are ingredients and very yeah. rarely is there something in a packet. And yeah. I like, I enjoy the process. I enjoy the creativity of it, like testing new things. Yeah. And, but then it's like, I know so many people that 
don't know how to. Yeah, I think I think it's a combination of like, especially here in the US, so many people don't necessarily have the time. They yeah. might be working multiple jobs, they might have kids they need to feed, they don't always have the time to cook, right? And so I'm not against packaged food. I what I am for is us creating a society in which we can make those choices for ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Where we can we can work less instead of we can have a livable wage right? That's standard. And we don't have to work quite as much simply to make our, you know, rent and our, and have enough money left over for food and so on and so forth and be able to have, reclaim a huge chunk of our time so that we can make that choice. Do I want to learn how to cook? Now, do I have the time to cook? Mm -hmm. Now, do I have the time to drive it, dive into nutrition? There's no time, right? And so the occupation of our time by society and the, and the like, Uh, ownership of other people of our time right is is part of the problem right the the constantly having to work just to survive yeah um and and maybe not even having the energy um to cook even if you just work a full time right like you don't necessarily have the time to cook or research recipes or all those there go grocery shopping like you may not have all that energy um especially if you have kids right and so like just creating community so that we support each other so that we can you know, individually and collectively make better decisions is really key. Community is one of the things that I'm really passionate about and the people that you're around, you know, it makes a huge difference because, you know, we have, there is a saying, you know, people are either radiators or drains. So they either Mm. give you heat and warmth and support and lift you up or they literally drain the energy away from you. And Um, I've I've found that the more you can spend time with radiators, the the better life can be, and and it, it's that sharing of energy. Yeah, um, I don't think, I don't think that people are typically energy. Yeah, I think that you know again, I don't think people are bad or good. I don't think that people are one thing or another. I think there's a whole lot wants in it, and I think one person can be draining to someone and yeah. really. Uh, like giving to someone else, right? And 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 it can be time like moment dependent. I think it's just important for us to just remember like that relationships are a give and take, right? Yeah. And we shouldn't always be the giver and we shouldn't always be the taker. There has to be a really beautiful balance there. Um, and it should even out to 50-50, but it doesn't, it doesn't always look 50 Not always that way, no. One moment, I might need more from my friends. I might need 70% of their energy in a moment. And then at other times, I'm the one giving 60, 70, 80, right? And so it's a matter of finding that balance and making sure that you're honoring this give and take rather than always trying to look at it from a place of I must give until I, you know, until I have nothing left or I need to take and get what's mine, right? Like there's balance. And that's what a proper relationship is, isn't it? It's And I guess that's where you help with the, the life design and helping people to understand this. Exactly. Yeah, we have these exact conversations. Let's talk about your life. Let's talk about your home. Let's talk about your job. Let's have these conversations. And that doesn't mean all of a sudden you walk away from your family or you all of a sudden just quit your job. No, mm-hmm. we, we, you know, it's more about how do we set boundaries? How do we learn how to set boundaries? How do we learn how to enforce boundaries? How do we, um, you know, 
consistently work through that process. And then maybe we start applying for new jobs or maybe mm-hmm. we have difficult conversations with our family and say, hey, you know, this thing you've been doing, I haven't really mentioned it to you before, but it's really hurtful to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you're aware that it's hurtful to me. In my head, you have to be aware, but I've never told you that it hurt me. So I'm just going to come out and say, and, and we also have conversations of like, are you safe to say that to this mm-hmm. person? Right. Like there's all these deep, nuanced conversations that happen in designing our life. But the key is being really curious um, and and, you know, extending ourselves and others compassion, um, but also like, um, you know, honoring ourselves. Right. Yeah. And honoring our needs and honoring who we are authentically. You know, all those things are really key. Yeah. And have you done that with your parents? You spoke earlier about your parents and your relationship with them. Were you able to have that conversation? How is that relationship now? I'm no contact with my dad. Um, and this is a trigger. No contact with my father because he's sexually assaulted. Um, yeah. He groomed from the time that I was a child. Um, and I, I grew up in a very abusive household. Um, at first, both of my parents were physically violent. Then my mom got help and was no longer, from the time I was like 10, 11, she was no longer physically violent. Um, and there's still some issues there in our relationship. There's still not full ownership of emotional uh, mm-hmm. intelligence and and her emotional health and her expectations around other people emotionally regulating for her. So we've had to have difficult conversations, but we're more... Um, at times I've gone no contact with her, but it's just so that I could take a step back and rejuvenate for myself. Yeah. Um, but it's more like there's a lot of boundaries in that relationship. But with my father, um, you know, I had lots of conversations with him afterwards um, because I, we still lived in the same household. I was, I was 15. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, no one knew for three years. So I was handling it on my own. Uh, and so these conversations were kind of happening just between he and I and nobody else knew. And so I felt very unsafe. Um, but then when I finally like asked for help and told people and was asking him to take accountability, he refused. And to this day, he refuses to take actual accountability and say, simply, I did this thing. I shouldn't have. And I'm going to get help to make mm-hmm. sure that I understand why I did it in the first place. Um and since there's been no accountability on his part or and taking any ownership of um, his abusive behavior and so on and so forth, um, th- there was absolutely, it's not safe for me to remain, you know, yeah. connected to my father. Yeah. So that's a very, it's very tricky, I think. <clears throat> um, it's hard to like forgive someone when they won't take accountability, especially yeah. when you're, right? But now I've gotten to the place where I recognize that like, it's not even, it's not even forgiveness, really. I don't, I didn't need to necessarily um, forgive him as much as I needed to release my expectation that he was going to show up as a father in a very specific way, mm-hmm. right? That was the thing I was holding on to that was really damaging to me, is that I was making it mean something about me because he wasn't showing up for me. Right. right. And that was actually the hardest part. Forgiving him, it was just a matter of like, he is who he is. I understand how he grew up. I understand patriarchy. I understand, you know, all of the things, all the lies that he has told himself to justify it. Right. I understand all those things. Uh, and I can extend humanity to him while also knowing that it's never acceptable, not okay. And mm-hmm. I'm not making any excuses for him. Right. That part was relatively 
easy. That only took me like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I say so, when I say relatively easy, I'm in no way saying it was easy, but in comparison to get to the place where I am now, where I had to release these expectations of how not only him, but both of my parents showed up mm-hmm. and continue to show up and just don't show up for me at all in any way that I never taught me the things I really needed to know. I had to teach them all myself, um, parentified myself and was parentified, you know, was my parents' parent. Um, releasing all that was even harder. That I probably didn't get to until like five years ago. So that took me like 20 years. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, when I say to people, you know, that, it, that, you know, forgiving my identity was relatively easy. It still took a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm to be honest, I'm not surprised that that something like that would take that amount of time. But, you know, you should be proud of yourself for doing that and achieving all of the things that you have. And then also helping other people to deal with what they have trapped inside themselves. And it's it's not an easy thing to to let go of. There's I mean, because of the things and that's just one thing. That's just there's really not much that people can say. And there's absolutely nothing that anyone's ever been able to tell me that's made me, um, like, hate them. I just refuse to live with hate anymore. Like, if I can forgive my father for that, I can forgive anybody just about anything. doesn't mean I don't get angry. I just yeah. don't, right? I don't invest in that level of, you know, because there's that thin line between love and hate. And so it's a matter of me just understanding, you know, you can love someone where they're at and that they don't necessarily belong in your life. Um, and they don't necessarily deserve your energy. Mm -hmm. Um, so when it comes to my clients, you know, they're able to share their life story and know that not only am I not judging them for things that were done to them, or maybe the things that they did as a result of the things that were done to them. Um, but that I can empathize with them and I can help them through it. Right. Like, cause I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of your story. Right. It doesn't have any power over me. It's your Mm -hmm. story. Let's talk about it. Let's help you move through it and really have a beautiful life, right? Where you can just, it's not baggage anymore. It's just Mm -hmm. a part of bar and it's there and it's sitting on the shelf, but you're not dragging it behind you anymore. That's the thing, isn't it? People can use that and it can, you know, go in a negative cycle and then that's holding on to that excuse. But by doing that, you, you can't move forward. Yeah have those those proper you know that relationship with yourself you need to have that in order to have those relationships with other people yeah what would what would you like say to people to to process something that you know is is their baggage i think when really horrible things happen to us in my experience and i'm not a mental health professional i'm i'm not a doctor so this is not medical advice this is just based on my lived experience what I've experienced over and over again is that fear really creeps in in a palpable way. Mm-hmm. And when really traumatic things happen, it rewires our brain. Mm-hmm. When it rewires your brain, it then is stored inside of your body. And when your brain controls your entire body, so now your brain is, is changed the way it controls your body. It'll change everything from your heart rate, uh, how your heart beats, literally to all kinds of other physical side effects. And I think it's really deeply important to know that and to dive into that and to find support around you 
um, and to find people that believe you that that listen to you and whether that be through therapy and coaches um, or that be, you know, with a, a great best friend who just listens and doesn't try to fix it. Right. Mm -hmm. Who just believes you and understands. And sometimes that sharing, depending on the severity of the moment, is like deeply important. But I think the fear that comes up. Because there's a sense of isolation in this thing that was done to us, there's definitely shame that comes up. There's all kinds of things that come up. And I think just letting yourself feel them, acknowledging that that's how you feel. Don't make yourself bad or wrong for feeling that way. And and then and then being like, hey, you know what? I feel shame about this thing, even though it was done to me, right? Um, and there's nothing for me to be ashamed of, right? But why am I feeling this shame? Yeah. What messages have I been told that have made me believe that I should be ashamed in this moment? And like, take time to dive into that, right? Because once you dive into that, shame starts to dissipate. You're like, that's not logical. That doesn't make sense. So why am I beating myself up over this? Right. But there's like grace in these moments. I mean, this is just the journey that I've taken. Is it the most linear? I don't know, <laughs> but it's the journey and the path that I took is just diving into why did I feel some way? Don't make myself bad for feeling shame. Don't make myself bad for, for feeling depressed. Don't make myself wrong for any of the things that come up because it's a traumatic event. Mm -hmm. And my body is doing the best it can to keep me alive. And so I just honor the fact that my body's doing the best that it can, that my brain is doing the best it can. My soul and spirit are trying to get back inside of my body and just be present, meditate a lot. Meditation is great for um, diminishing. Um, there's a whole study that was done on meditation where it helps to like grow the, the uh, part of your brain that, um, or shrink the part of your brain that stores fear. Okay. Yeah. And so for me, a great part of me recognizing I have complex PTSD and moving through these moments has been yeah. daily meditation. And sometimes I fall away from it. And after a few weeks, I'm like, oh, I should get back to it. And like after a couple months, I'm like, I have to because my mental health is suffering. Right. And uh -huh. then I get back to it. Right. But that daily meditation practice, whether it be 15 to 20 minutes, just, you know, 10, 10 minutes even in the morning. Or then maybe going for a walk, no headphones in, just mm -hmm. listen to the birds and so on and so forth. And like maybe actually hug a tree or like walk around and put your feet in the dirt. Yeah. Um, who cares if people think you're weird? Who cares? We're all weird. <laughs> we are all weird. Weird, exactly. <laughs> just be weird because every I've never met a non-weird human. So like do the things, even if they feel weird or awkward, that you want to do. And just let your body experience joy in moments. Let your let yourself just be present as often as you can and, and, yeah. and then teach your body that it's safe to be back inside of yourself. That's really powerful. And um, thank you for sharing that. And um, it like those those are the things that all add up to make the biggest difference. Yeah. Um, like, like I was saying earlier, like I know for me being like putting my feet in the sea, that's that's my meditation. Oh gosh, yeah. I love water. I love being in yeah. Something so powerful about it. It's like the water knows. Yeah. <laughs> like trees and water know. It's like this mystery. Um, I'm deeply connected to Yeah. And it's very interesting what you said there as well about you know, having that daily practice and then it falls away. And then after a little while, you're like, I need to start doing that again. And then after a little bit longer, you're like, 
like basically fuck I need to I need to do that now <laughs> I'm gonna do it I'm actually just <laughs> yeah because when people see results that's when you need to right. carry on is yeah. that's not the time to stop that's the time to like ensure that you have instilled that and um, and then recognize actually maybe sometimes you do need need or you take a little break from it but then yeah. get back in before you get to that point where it's okay i'm suffering again yeah yeah so what, what gives yeah what gives you the confidence that you have in what you do i think for me confidence has doing things right mm -hmm. and taking the little steps towards those things and giving and i tell this to people all the time practice things inside of your own home that's why our homes are so powerful right mm -hmm. so practice taking up space practice being your authentic self practice those things inside of your own home for instance this is just a basic example say there's like a piece of furniture that's been handed down to you by someone in your family or you had from a previous relationship or whatever it is right and every time you see that piece of furniture you're reminded of the end of that relationship of the fact that you don't want that piece of furniture but your mom's making you keep it or like whatever it is please just donate the thing <laughs> give yourself permission to donate or sell the thing mm -hmm. and take it out of your life because inside your own home you have to practice giving yourself permission to take up space and to be your authentic self mm -hmm. and the minute you set those boundaries and say i'm not going to have anything in my home it doesn't feel like it's supporting me, right? Let's mm -hmm. like sit with it. It's not supporting me. I'm walking into my home and I'm immediately tightening my body because I'm seeing this thing. I don't want to be there. Remove it. Mm -hmm. Give yourself permission to remove it. And then as we start to practice those kinds of moments inside of our own home, they start to be able to show up in our confidence outside of our own home. Right? I love that. Yeah. So like just take practical, very palatable steps. <laughs> and, and when you do sell or give away the thing, you don't have to tell whoever gave you it. You don't have to explain it to them. You don't have to give them a reason. They didn't want it. They're not keeping it in their home. And since that's the truth, it doesn't belong in your home unless you say it does. Mm -hmm. So you do not owe them an explanation or a reason. Yeah. Right? If it happens to be a family heirloom and maybe somebody else might want it, you could ask everybody else if they're going to take it. And if not, if they if they want it they're going to take it they're going to figure out how to store it but it's not going to get stored in your home mm -hmm. i think that's a really nice metaphor for some other things too yeah uh-huh exactly which is why i say let's start with these really beautiful practices inside of our own home yeah because then our brain starts to see the metaphor in other parts of our life mm -hmm. right that's why it's critical to practice them where we know ourselves to be safe or to create our environment as safe for ourselves by letting ourselves know that no one else gets a say over our own voice in our life mm. ever yeah. yeah you you yeah. have to you have to be the one that's in charge and in control because yeah. at the end of the day it is your life and you need to live it as as best you you possibly can and do the things which make you happy and connect you yeah. with yourself and with other people could you tell us a little bit about your business and why it's called what it's called yeah okay so i always keep a handy dandy index card <laughs> with the definition of my business name because i still don't have it memorized yet 
Um, consummate means to arrange or blend together skillfully as parts of elements put together in a harmonious, precisely appropriate or elegant manner. And I, I know, I know. <laughs> it is a precisely appropriate name mm -hmm. for what I do, what I talk about. So when I found it, I immediately was like, that's it. That's, that's my name. Um, and so what I do is, is really, um, I'm, is life design, right? And what, what we've been talking about is having these conversations with people, yeah. right? Whether we're having them with one-on-one -on -one coaching or we're having them in group coaching, which I love group coaching. It's also, okay. I insist on group coaching being very financially accessible. Mm -hmm. um, so if anybody's interested in that, please check out the website, but group coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching, you know, public speaking, you know, giving these keynote talks, um, facilitating workshops around these concepts, and these discussions, um, you know, all of these things are encompass what I do. And then I still, you know, occasionally take on interior design clients, but it's got to be like really specific because, because I'm so um, intentional about work, I, I often get more involved in interior design projects than I have time for anymore. And so like, <laughs> it starts to eat away from the time I have to like, you know, do other things. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> we gotta like take on no, no more interior design clients right now. We've got three. We really should probably just keep it to one. <laughs> but I've gone into design clients every once in a while as well. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> what's the what's your favorite bit about what you do? Connecting. Yeah. Seeing, having, and seeing the power that having these conversations has. In I literally watch people body language change, and then I know they feel it. Right when when I have these conversations with people, I watch them like, and I'm like. So, you know, like you can feel it, right? You mm -hmm. can feel the truth of what I'm talking about. And it's like, it gives them permission to just be like human, right? And, or maybe human for the first time since they were a kid, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of to other people's expectations. You know, I'm, I'm like here, if you need permission, but you don't, please give it to yourself. You get to be you. Um, and watching how that changed people's lives, how, you know, it opens up their life, how they start to surround themselves with people again, you know, have people over, maybe have dinner parties, you know, um, maybe, you know, previously they were afraid to get in a relationship. Maybe they did like all of these things. Um, just, just watching how people open up and then they follow up with their me and they're like, guess what? My boyfriend moved in or guess what? You know what I mean? Like having, yeah. having those moments where they come back and are like, you know, this thing that I've wanted for myself finally happened. And they're like, yeah. great. It's amazing. I love that, that, that you're giving yourself this permission to live this big, bold, beautiful life. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So what's yeah. next on the cards for you? Um, taking on more paid speaking engagements. I am, uh, I actually am getting ready to launch in 30 days of book writing mastermind. So if there's anybody who's listening, um, and you've ever been interested in writing a book, I'm partnering with a publishing company that specifically looks to help uh, entrepreneurs. It's a publishing company out of New Zealand. Um, called ATG Publishing. We're doing a book writing mastermind. It's six months. Um, it's 350 US dollars per month. So it's like two grand total. Mm -hmm. At the end, you have a fully published book, right? Amazing. So they sign the ISBNs. They help you with the editing. They do the formatting. They create the book cover with you. Um, you know, and then their um, leadership team is as is functioning as mentors through the process 
uh, and one of the co-founders of the publishing company is a therapist. So there's somebody there in case you run into any blocks while writing. So there's like this very supportive situation. And then there's all of us who are doing the book writing, you know, mastermind together, right? Yeah. So we're all supporting one another. So if anybody's interested in writing about their life, about their entrepreneurship, about, you know, whatever it is they're passionate yeah. about, please reach out because um, we have only 20 spots available. Um, so I want to make sure that like people are able to join and be a part of it and uh, make sure that we're, we're getting more variety of voices out there in the world. I've been saying for, I think five years, I'm, I need to write a book. So I may be, I may be joining you. <laughs> I mean, you should. Yeah. I mean, because I think it's scary to think about doing it. But when you've got a whole team of people and a whole community with you, yeah. yeah. And I, we're being honest about it and we're working through it together. Like writing my own book is not going to be easy because it's not an easy tell. No. But having support from a whole bunch of people, that makes it not necessarily easier, but it does make me know that I'm supported in that moment. Yeah. Right? So in a way it makes it easier. Yeah. It's that community support, isn't it? It makes right. such a difference. Yeah. It's the energy of it that makes it easier. It's like, you know what? I got this. Because all these other people, they're going through the same stuff too, right? They're running into a moment where they're stuck, where they're, you know, and we're all just kind of sharing in that. And mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Well, I very much look forward to reading your book when it um, yeah. when, when it's written. Yeah, thank you. I'm looking forward to reading it too. <laughs> I think that's part of the reason what, why I haven't is that I know I then have to edit like I'm fine the writing, but then the edit and rewrite the rewrite exactly. and the exactly exactly. So if you have there you go. Yeah. yeah. So if you could leave people with one tip to help them increase their confidence, what would it be? Get curious. Yeah. The minute that we open up to what's possible, right? Getting curious is about vulnerability. It's about saying I don't know. And then being open to what is possible, right? Mm -hmm. And letting the world show you what's possible and not being afraid of it, right? Like knowing that fear is going to come up, but that, that doesn't have to stop us, right? So like get curious about who can you connect with, what things are possible for you and start asking, like, because the minute you open up to that and you start asking those questions, the people who can answer those questions start to show up in your life, mm -hmm. right? But if you aren't open and you aren't getting curious and you aren't asking those questions, you can't get the answers. Right. So the key is for me, the foundation of it is get curious. Curious. I love it. I absolutely love that. And um, I'm a very curious person. Like yeah. I, I love to explore, to have conversation, see yeah. what's out there in the world and just see what it's like different cultures and like traveling yeah. different food and seeing what's available, take it all in and see what you can bring into your own life. And then yeah. share that with other people. Brilliant. And um, amazing. Thank you so much for your time. I very, 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 very much enjoyed this Thanks conversation. For having me. Yeah, right. I love the conversation. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, where can people find and follow you? Um, because we are fans of online stalking, just not in-person stalking. Yeah. <laughs> online stalk me. If you Google my name, that's it. No, just there. Um, <laughs> so don't do that. I mean, you can do that. The stuff will show up. Um, lots of pictures of me. <laughs> um, so uh, definitely check out my website. That's my contact information there is there information about group coaching, 
one-on-one coaching other stuff is going on if you subscribe to the website and i send out um a couple times a month i send out an email blast talking about what's going on it's really intentional so you're not going to get something every single week right it might be two or three times a month max where i'm just sharing what's going on some valuable information some upcoming um and then every once in a while it's like okay there's this upcoming thing how do you want to register it? <laughs> but i love sharing beautiful information the website is www.consonate.world and i'm sure it'll be tagged in the show notes it will be check out yeah so you can email me you can um, you know find my contact information that Amazing. Thank you very much. I will ensure that's in the show notes. And to everyone listening, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Make sure you do follow. Um, and don't forget to share this with everybody that you like, and even with the people that you don't like, because helping is... <laughs> everybody needs a helping hand every now and then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Natalie. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Um, thanks for listening again, and we'll see you on the next one. <laughs>